Welcome to another episode of Hunting Hunts, a Ghostbusters podcast. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and with me, my co-host, Donnie. Donnie, how's it going? Hey, what's up, fans of the multiverse? It's the man who is here to bring you a wonton side serving of dad jokes. It's the Emerald Enthusiast. I, I was wondering what you were going to work in from the film with that, uh, uh, with your intro, and uh, you, you didn't disappoint, I'll tell you that much. Hey, if you're uh, lucky, maybe two wontons. Yeah, well, uh, not, uh, not uh, apparently not for uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy's character. So yeah, not, was, not for Abby, yeah. Well, she wasn't too lucky. Um, Although she did get quite an abundance there about three quarters of the way through, so. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, but uh, as we've sort of intimated here, um, today's episode is going to largely be, well, most of it, not largely, uh, mostly all of it is going to be a discussion slash review of Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which was the 2016 uh, Paul Feig directed uh, a film which starred um, uh, Melissa McCarthy uh, it starred uh, Leslie Jones it starred Kate McKinnon and uh, Kristen Wiig as the um, Ghostbusters and of course this was um, did you say Leslie Jones? I think I did. you missed Leslie Jones okay, no, sorry. I, I, did. Yeah, I got them all, I got them all. Uh, yes. by the way I've been watching her uh, her commentary on everything from, because um, she does it on Twitter, uh, uh, on everything from um, the politics to <laughs> yes to uh, the Bachelor, and it's hilarious. Um, but um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the and, and that film, as I was saying, was um, uh, designed as a reboot, uh, which was completely disconnected from the. Uh, uh, previous uh, two installments in terms of continuity, so uh, and uh, it, that film has an interesting, uh, interesting and somewhat troubling story around it, which we'll I guess we'll discuss in the preamble. But um, uh, first, there's a bit of news regarding the next Ghostbusters film. Uh, which Take is, it away, sir. Take yeah, it away. Which is a follow-up to the uh, first two installments. Uh, and that is, uh, of course, um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, it's been, the release date's been shuffled again. Um, we're now looking at a November 2021 release date. Uh, and, of course, it's due to the, uh, the current pandemic situation. Um, look, I understand the, the delay. Um you know, they want to maximize the amount of people that, that can view this film in a theater. Um, there's no guarantee uh, that even theaters that are open, what kind of capacity levels they'll be at. And, um, you know, I think it was, it had been moved to, uh, to, um, 
either a May or a summer spot of 2021 at first, and then, but but again, yes, there is a vaccine uh, being being um, administered, uh, not necessarily as, at the fastest pace, uh, but you know, like even with the vaccine, um, uh, you know, summer release date. How, how much capacity is going to be in a theater? Um, are people going to feel safe, you know, despite the vaccine is being doled out? You know, all these questions. And so Sony felt it wiser to, to just uh, delay a little bit longer and push it to November. And hopefully by then, at that point, we'll have a good chunk of uh, the population inoculated. Um, so I understand the shift, uh, Donnie, and I'm not going to get all, you know, like the gif of the little girl in the leaves kicking her feet screaming over the fact that a movie's been delayed. Uh, well, we know that the movie industry is struggling here. They yeah. were going through kind of a, a time of transition even before covid so at this point, you know, they've got to do what they think is best. And yes, you know, it will come. We just have to be patient. The only, the only sort of alternate suggestion that I would offer is why not consider potentially making a deal of some sort with a streamer? I do believe we're going to see more of that. And here's why I say that. Because, you know, let's be honest, as much as, you know, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters answer the call in a minute, but it didn't do what the studio uh, wanted to. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a box office bomb. It was an underperformer. There's a big difference. Uh, but, but, so it didn't do what the studio wanted. Now, having said that, my concern is, yes, I understand that, that this one has the nostalgia, the, the one that's coming, uh, Afterlife, has the nostalgia factor of reuniting the remaining uh, original Ghostbusters. Um, but it still has the hurdle of the preceding film, which... Again, it was very, I don't even want to say, I don't know if divisive is the right word because it was clearly a segment of the, of the audience that was acting a certain way. But having said that, you know, usually in a franchise when the previous installments underperform, I, I find it difficult for the, the next installment which we, to, to sort of which even though it's a shift from the previous one in their franchise, it's difficult to put lofty expectations and expect it to do God knows what. You know, case in point, at the, at the box office, case in point, and that's under regular circumstances. So, as an example, you know, Man of Steel, right? Okay. For example, uh, the, 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 the talk was that Warner Brothers expected, you know, with... with with the names of Christopher Nolan and David Goyer, who had relaunched, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy and the Batman franchise, with those names attached, Warner Brothers was looking 
for you know either a, a billion dollar or close to a billion dollar Superman installment. Uh, it ended up making six hundred sixty-eight million. My contention is that well, with the previous performances of Superman three, four, and Superman Returns, I think it was absolutely ridiculous on the studio's part to expect that film to overcome those hurdles and you know and the perception of the franchise at that point and, and make a billion dollars. So. And I'm not saying Sony is expecting Ghostbusters Afterlife to make a billion dollars. And if they are, it's asinine. Because, like, look at the climate we're in. We're in a pandemic situation. I don't care how many vaccines are being doled out or, or where we are in November. To expect a billion dollars from, from that would be ridiculous. I don't think Sony is. But what I'm saying is, given the performance of the last one, and given the state of the world that we're in what I would try and because and so for example like coming to America with uh, you know the, the sequel coming to America 2 or whatever it was called they had you know it had, it had a weird title with with the number and all that you know all that fancy stuff that the, the young kids do nowadays uh, but you know that was sold to Amazon for 125 million dollars now if coming to America can get $125 million. I'd venture to say that you could get around 200, if not slightly more, million for an IP like Ghostbusters. I could be I could be way off base here, but I think if coming to America can get that in a sale, surely Ghostbusters can match that or, or do a little better. I'm not sure what kind of performance Ghostbusters Afterlife is going to do in the theater. In, even, like I said, even with more wide, widespread amounts of vaccine being doled out, even in November, you know, when things should be quite a bit better, judging by what the last one did, if I, if just this would be me, if I would, and not because I want to see it tomorrow because if I had a choice I would but but this is not for my personal enjoyment I'm just saying from the studio's perspective I would think I would take that that 200 million that that's a sure bet and then you know based on word of mouth and, and, and reception of what people see if that is is does well and we get more installments then you can expect a little bit more in the year in the preceding years after people, you know, have seen this and have, have you know what I mean? I, I right. just think it, no, that's it makes that's sense. a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And this one looks to be going in a much different direction than answer the call. Indeed. And we'll see if people respond to this. So, but but do you not think it might be a good thing to consider, given all those factors I, I, I laid out? Oh, I, I would definitely say I, I would say always take the sure thing. If there's money out there, go ahead and take that. You know, rolling the dice, you you know, you alluded to the fact that even with, you know, franchises that have a lot of name recognition among the public, like let's say Terminator, not every installment meets expectations. So just because you roll out the name Ghostbusters, that doesn't mean that people are going to respond. And as we're going to talk about here soon, sometimes their reasons aren't valid 
Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, it's all about what a film does at the box office. So yeah. there are a lot of risk factors. I believe this one made around 100, I want to say domestically 125 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, like I said, I, I think, like you said, with the direction they're going, and the and the and the the IP that Ghostbusters is, in compared to coming to America too, which let's be honest, is not the strongest IP in the world. It's not, you know, I I, I don't recall people clamoring, you know, a year ago or a couple of years ago, for another coming coming to America installment. Well, I'll say this though: it's it's also a lot cheaper and a lot of a lot of name recognition as far as stars sure, goes. So sure, but, but I would but say I'm, much much less risky than a Ghostbusters movie. Right, but what I'm saying is, for Amazon Prime to dole out 125 million for that, and it's not a strong IP per se, right? Imagine, I see what you're saying. Yes. Imagine what Ghostbusters could fetch from Netflix or even Amazon Prime or what have you. I would venture to say it's more than 125 million. I would think so. so with that in mind, that's what I'm saying. With with that in mind, plus the fact that I'm checking the official numbers, uh, provided the internet cooperates. Uh, hang on a second here. Uh, well, if you're looking oh, for an- answer sorry. the call, yeah, the. the, 100, the t- 144 no uh, the budget was 144 million the box office was 229 million yeah worldwide and 128 right. 128 domestically so if you if you if you can get you know 150 to 200 by Am- by Amazon or Netflix saying here you know what I mean in this climate I would I would take that and uh, and run to the bank if I was Sony because there's I, no there's no guarantee that even pushed to November that Ghostbusters Afterlife is going to even do that. I, I hope it does. You know, I, I really hope. Like I hope this thing exceeds expectations, and movie theaters are at a place where people feel safe and they're going in droves, and they go see this thing and it and it makes you know four to five hundred million worldwide. But I don't think that's a sure thing anymore. Not. Anymore. I, I don't think there's any sure things when it yeah. comes to movies right now. Again, like you said, it's going to take a long time to get the uh, a significant portion of the world inoculated, and there are no guarantees in 2021. Now, once we start seeing month after month of no cases of COVID, once it is under control, yeah. then you may see a lot of these entertainment properties creeping back but we don't know when that's going to be at this point like here's my here's just my example i'm not going back to a theater like i'll i'm gonna when it's time for me to see ghostbusters afterlife i'm gonna i'm gonna buy the blu-ray and and if buy if the digital copy comes out earlier i'll buy the digital copy as well but i'll be honest with you even even if i have my 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 vaccine shot, both of them, by November of 2021, of this year, which the government suggested that I, that I will buy by, by summer or, you know, or September. 
according to the way where where my my government is building it out. I don't know that I'm going to be in a hurry to go to the movies in November. Like my, you know, when my plan to go back to the movie is like guaranteed. Uh, when Margot Robbie asks you out. Well, I mean, there's that, but that's <laughs> likely never going to happen. So I've changed it. You know, I've moved the goalpost a little bit closer, and so the the guaranteed day that I'm going to go to the movies again is when the Batman releases. Everything Fair else, point. I could see, everything else, I could see at home. As as much as I'd love to see Ghostbusters Afterlife in a in a theater, I just don't know if I'll feel comfortable yet. So, what I'm saying is, if I'm Sony, between now and November, I would try. If you can, if you can corral a, a buyer that'll give you 150 to 200 million to stream Ghostbusters Afterlife, then do it. No, I'm, I'm with you on that because, uh, you know, again, and not to get too scientific here, and, and we definitely don't want to get too, too, you know, pessimistic here. But again, with theaters, you're still talking about recirculated air. And even with a small amount of the people who would normally go to the theater, you're still talking about a number of people all breathing the same air. So I don't see people feeling, you know, any great compulsion to rush back to indoor movie theaters. I, I mean... Look at look at what here's an example Wonder Woman. I mean, they were touting sixteen million dollars opening weekend, as if it was a, a massive. And okay, granted, in a pandemic era, uh, I guess it is. But nobody wants you know. Nobody wants that. Wonder Woman is nineteen eighty four is going to make all of, most of its money based on. Streaming subscriptions and the Blu-ray release, and the, you know, and the digital media release—that's where most of the most of the money is going to come from. And I'd venture to say that that's going to be the case for most of the movies, if not all of the movies that come out in the year 2021. No, I, so, I would agree. We we are still a distanced world at this point. Yeah. So to me, like I said, I'm not saying it because I want instant gratification and I want to see the movie now. I'm just saying it because I want the longevity of the Ghostbusters franchise to go beyond just this one film. I believe there's potential for this franchise, you know, to, like I said, you know, uh, do a similar thing to what the comics have done, where you could sort of merge the worlds of the original Ghostbusters franchise and, and what this new movie is going to continue, and maybe have a multiverse movie with the if you can if you can convince some of or all of the answer the call ladies to come back you can maybe do a you know a multiverse team up like like the comics have done or you can take ghostbusters the ghostbusters team you know this new iteration international like the comics have done like there's a lot of potential for this franchise to go beyond just this next movie and i wanted to have every chance to do that but i don't know that releasing it in still what will be a, a, a pandemic world is going to maximize the chances for that. And you know that Sony is going to want some box office return as compared to, you know, the last one uh, to, to, to see the value in continuing the franchise. That's where my, where my reasoning is coming from. Because, listen, I'll wait. I'll, I'll be patient and wait. Whatever, whenever they decide to release it, I'll wait. But again... If they were, if the only option is theater, 
I think I'm going to be seeing Ghostbusters Afterlife when it hits home media. And, and I think a lot of people would echo that sentiment. So that's where we are. But as of now, it's releasing in November. Let's not, let's not, you know, book our tickets or mark the calendar just yet because who knows in this in this world we'll see how things develop but that's the news as we have it right now and that's pretty much the only news as we have it right now um so donnie with that shall we get into our ghostbusters answer the call uh, discussion yes we shall all right so give us some of the background around the announcement and the and the subsequent chaos that surrounded this movie well, five years, here we are, after the fact. This was a 2016 movie. This is the Ghostbusters reboot. So, as Adam and I alluded to, we might as well address the elephant in the room. There was a lot of controversy and unmerited criticism about Ghostbusters being cast with an all-female team. And, unfortunately, the actresses, they dealt with a lot of misogynist rhetoric and Leslie Jones experienced an extra layer of insults, which were nauseatingly racist. And I don't want to repeat some of the comments oh, that I, I saw. I would never do that. But let me just say this. If, you were listen- if you're listening to this and you were part of that, you should be ashamed of yourself. So, yeah. yeah. So let- let's just get that out there. But 2016, we see Ghostbusters answer the call. So what was your reaction when you first heard this, Adam? The announcement of it? Yes, sir. I mean, I was excited. I mean, it was a new Ghostbusters film that I, let's be honest, I didn't think we were going to see another one. You know, the way things were going, you know, we've had several times in in Ghostbusters fandom where we heard a new movie was coming, and then that talk amounted to nothing. So that that, that something actually was was coming uh, was intriguing. Uh, The fact that it was an all-girl team didn't bother me one bit. The fact that it was a reboot didn't bother me one bit because I'm of the I'm of the the perception that reboot whatever you want because at the end of the day if it's good, great. If I think it sucks, well guess what? I have the original stuff. Like nobody can take the originals away from me. So what's the harm? That's a good my, point. That, that's my take. The only thing you know, I, I like Kate McKinnon. Uh, when I heard her, you know, Kristen Wiig, um, Leslie Jones. I didn't. Well, I to be truthfully honest, I didn't know much about Leslie Jones at the time. But the only one I was concerned about, because I'm not really, I wasn't really a fan of most of her movies, was um, uh, Melissa McCarthy. I, I just think a lot of her movies when you boil down to them, are the same. Uh, much like the, the comedy show that she was on. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, but she was on a series for, for, for a time. Um, and, and so I, I wasn't really a big fan of hers. But but still, in spite of that, I, 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 was, I was still fairly excited because, you know... I, I think you're referencing, by the way, Mike and Molly. They, yeah, yeah, that's the show. Thank you. I mean, none of that appealed to me, but but despite that, it was a Ghostbusters movie. I liked everybody else in it, and I was going to go watch it regardless of my my 
trepidation towards Melissa McCarthy. So I was excited. Uh, and uh, I, I thought that being being an all-girl, you know, team of Ghostbusters in the era of 2016 was a smart decision because you, I, I think you, the idea is you want to grow the fan base, right? And exactly, what better, what better way to attract, you know, a new audience, younger, younger, younger women, younger girls. Um, I think it was a smart way to go. Not to say that that there aren't female fans of the originals. But let's be honest. There is a large portion of, of males in that audience. Uh, again, I know some women that like the originals, but but again, I just from what I've seen and what I've come across, it's a largely male fan base, right? So to grow that out into the, the female audience and to a younger a younger generation of you know kids and stuff. And even showing young boys that, yeah, girls can do this too, and there's there's nothing weird about that. Uh, I thought it was a good, a smart move. Uh, uh, now, I've said that my ultimate, like if if you asked me, you know, what my ideal pitch for a Ghostbusters movie would would have been. It would be a passing of the torch movie where you have the original guys passing down the mantle to a new crop of Ghostbusters, and and that would be a mix of male and female. In my ideal, like in my, if I was the one crafting the movie, that's what I would do. But again, I'm not. I wasn't going to sit here and judge a movie for what it wasn't. I was going to judge it for what it was, and I was still excited that hey, it's Ghostbusters, and. I'm looking forward to seeing it. So that's where I was at that point in time. What about you? Well, likewise, you know, I knew that they weren't going to come back and do like a straight sequel because, you know, let's face it, you know, even in what was it, 19, 1989 was Ghostbusters 2. You yeah. know, the actors, they weren't young back then. And this is a movie that looks like it was physically demanding. And so I knew that eventually if they did something like that, like you alluded to, it would be a kind of passing of the torch movie. Now, I didn't expect kind of an all-new reboot, but I wasn't against it. You know, these were all talented women. We also had Chris Hemsworth. And so I, I was very optimistic about it. And I will say this as we go through it. I actually did like the final product. I don't have a lot of criticisms of it. Um, not every movie I like is, you know, the the biggest hit in the world, but that doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy what came with it. I thought this was a welcomed addition to the Ghostbusters mythos. Yeah, again, I overall I like the movie quite a bit. Uh, again, I also don't. Um, I also don't have many criticisms either. So if that makes us a rare breed of people, then, then so be it. <laughs> you know? Um, I like movies that, 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 you know, critical scores and otherwise tell me I shouldn't. But Well, I, and I'll say this. Wig and McKinnon and Jones and McCarthy... 
I've never seen the four of them together. I'm not sure that the four of them had ever been together on any project before. They had a lot of chemistry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, overall, I, I, I was really happy with the, with the, with the, with the film. Uh, so let's discuss it in more, in more detail now that we've done the... And, uh, by the way, just let me say, I echo your sentiments that that behavior that a certain segment of the fandom uh, portrayed was reprehensible. And especially... All of it was reprehensible, but especially the stuff they said to Leslie Jones. Right, you know. I, I mean, that that crap is uncalled for. Full stop. Exactly. You know, even it doesn't matter whether, you know, you're online and it's not a, a face-to-face conversation. You know what? You, you get on there and, and understand that it's still real people with real feelings on the other end of your criticism. So. Yeah. This Act is, like your parents raised you correctly. This is a movie. At the end of the day, this is just a movie. Exactly. I, I think a movie that is supposed to be fun entertainment should not be the catalyst. Well, first of all, you should never insult anybody because of the race. First of all, if you can avoid insulting anybody, do so. Uh, unless they're, you know, uh, unless they're being a, a moron and, uh, uh, you know, let's say walking into a store that the rule is wear a mask and they're not wearing a mask on purpose, just to be, you know, be, to be a fool. Then by all means, call them out on being a moron. But you know, to 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 use your dislike of a direction of a movie as the ammunition to launch into a racist tirade is ridiculous. And, and so... Well, Leslie Jones, she deleted her social media for a time because it really did hurt her. And why does and why does anything have to come to that? Like, again, you don't like a movie? That's fine. Echo you, you look, like, and again, I have no problem with somebody going on social media and saying, hey, I don't like this movie, and here are the reasons why. Everybody's entitled to do that, but when you personally start insulting people's race, that's where that's where it becomes ridiculous uh, and 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 totally reprehensible. So again, if you were part of that in 2016, I hope you learned your lesson. I guess it's here to do. Uh, I hope you become a better person in in the the uh, five years since then. Because I I do believe people can change and be better. Having said that, if you're not, if you still feel that way all these years later, consider, I don't know, first things first, get outside and get some fresh air because you need to to realize that this is just a movie after all. And second of all, if that doesn't work, then seriously, seek professional help. Good call. Because you may need it. But all that being said, I enjoyed the movie, uh, and I enjoyed the you know the cast interaction together, like Donnie was saying. So let's get into the into the into the into the nitty gritty, the details of the movie. Give us a little bit about uh, you know, tell us what what it's about. Tell us 
give us some of the ins and outs, Don. Let's go. Well, the main plot re- revolves with physicists Abby Yates and Aaron Gilbert. We see that they were friends before the events of the movie, and they off- they authored a research book which dealt with the existence of paranormal activity. Now, while Abby continued to study paranormal activity at a technical college, she's paired with a weird engineer called Jillian Holtzman, which is a, that's a character that I absolutely loved. You know, later on in the movie, you still you see her dance to Elder Barge and mm. show off some really comedic genius there. Mm. Um, we see that that Erin, uh, on the other hand, she is a more serious professor at Columbia University, and she has tried to disown the work and get past it. But Abby has republished the book online. And so we see her and Aaron meet up again, and there's this kind of obvious, uh, you know, very uh, uh, a friendship that has tension in it now. And, however, they go to this place, and they witness this malevolent ghost, and that brings Aaron back into the believer realm. Yeah. Because she gets a big helping of ectopuke slammed on her. And so you see the three of them now, along with Holtzman, and they are allied as this team now. And of course, it also goes viral, and we see that the that Columbia is kind of embarrassed by the video that has been made of Aaron. So what did you think? Well, first of all, like you said, I... <laughs> I like how you had, you know, former former friends and colleagues on. Really, they they grow they grew apart and are on opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of their belief. You know, one sort of denouncing it, and one, you know, still in the thick of it and trying to prove it and, and trying to you know uh, trying to make it her profession. Um, I, I thought that while they were trying to, you know, the the film does a good job of trying to make these these character these people their own distinct characters. There were nods to the uh, to the original crew. So, like, I, I think Kristen Wiig's character is a bit of a mix. Between um, Egon in her intelligence, but also she's a little bit of uh, Venkman. Because mm-hmm. remember, Venkman was like, eh, you know, he he gets brought into the you know brought into the whole thing in the library, and so like I I think there was a little bit of each in, in, of those two in her, and then. Abby, of course, is more the race dance kind of kind of person. She has a little bit of of, of him there, and then again, I would I would argue that that even even you know, Julian Holtzman is is a bit of a bit Ray and a bit uh, a bit Egon. I, well, I, I definitely think she was she was Egon's quirkiness just kind of turned up to a different level. Yeah, but she had that 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 you know that that little bit of. Uh, flirtatious energy that that that, that Vegman had as well. 
but you, definitely in terms of quirkiness and overall intelligence, like extreme intelligence, definitely uh, um, she had, you know, that would she fulfilled that role for sure. Uh, and and pure and and Patty was definitely channeling uh, Winston, but but although a more, uh, I mean, Winston was very straight laced, whereas. Um, um, she uh, what was it? What was the, what was the character's name? Uh, uh, why am I blanking? I want to call her Leslie Jones, but what's the character? Oh, oh, Patty Tolan. Patty, yeah, Patty. Patty had a little bit more like she she had that that Ray element, like the every the, the every person, if you will, like, but she had a little bit more sass, a little bit more energy than. Because I, I always found uh, Winston the, the, the straight man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, she was where, a, she was a little bit more outspoken and yeah. uh, and ju- just an aside here. I guess I never realized on Saturday Night Live just how tall she is because I noticed that the scene with with her and Hemsworth, she was almost as tall as he is. Yeah, which is impressive. Um, she she was like a full head taller than all of her cast. You know, because he's because he's quite a. I mean, he's taller, so you know, yeah. that it is what it is. Um, but I did like the open the the, uh, the bits at uh, the, the you know the, the first ghost scene at uh, the Aldridge Mansion and, the, and the, the mythology behind that and the look of all that it was unique and it's like again and I, I like the fact that while they did have some beats that echoed the original film that opening at Aldridge Mansion was was quite unique I enjoyed it a lot. And we got a peek at the Aldrich Mansion that there was going to be a, a mix of kind of classic Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters-like effects and some obviously new, more cutting-edge effects. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, the blend of it both was really was really well done, for sure. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Uh, also, yeah, so. also appreciated the colors in this movie. I just noticed that there was, you know, kind of a rainbow of colors all throughout it, and it was just, it was visually pleasing. Oh, it really popped for sure, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. So yeah, I, I like the way they all meet. Um, you know, um, the, uh, at least the main, the main, and then they, they bring in uh, Patty later, but. Um, and the whole thing about getting fired, you know how I say they, they have uh, touchstones and echoes to the original film? Like them all getting fired, like that was part of, you know, a nod to the original film. Uh, well, and likewise, when they're looking for kind of a base of operations, you know, yeah, originally. So they, so, so they, <laughs> they had those echoes. And, of yeah. course, they show you the firehouse, but they can't afford it at first. Right. And, then, and they can't get it, you know. And they yeah. call themselves originally the conductors of metaphysical examination. Yeah, which is a nod to do. And also, I like the fact that, you know, in the original, you know, Ray was obsessed with the pole. And for him, it was the fireman's pole. But because it's 2016, you know, Abby calls it a stripper pole, you know, because... (laughs) Yeah, they had a little bit of edgy humor there. Not too much, I will say that. They never went went over the top, but yes, they did have some edgy humor. They pushed the envelope a little bit, but then again, so did the original with the. Uh, uh, how did we put it on the on the episode? It was the. 
uh, a certain type of favor that the ghost was giving uh, Ray, you know. Yeah, so, yes, that was it, that it, was it, not it, something that I understood the first time that I saw it. <laughs> no, but now it's like, oh hey, I know what's going on here. Yeah, it's a little weird, even for my taste, even even for somebody that has a multiverse wise list. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be wholly comfortable with that. Yeah, likewise. That 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 uh, you watch that as an adult, and that's a little strange. But that's okay. Again, like it's just a movie. If that was yeah. happening to me, I'd be like, "Well, I don't know about this." Uh, <laughs> I'll do it Kanye West. I'll let you finish. But after that, we're going to talk. I <laughs> know, but uh, uh, yeah. So, like I said, there was a good balance. I, I thought between paying homage and doing your own thing, um, and I like when they brought in um, Patty. Patty. At it, yes, because, you know she's she's a mass transit staffer, yeah. and yeah, she witnesses a ghost in the subway, and she contacts the group, and uh, you know right away you see Leslie Jones's you know uh, comedic timing when when uh, you know she looks at Kevin and she kind of assesses him and she says. If you guys want, uh, she says something along the lines of, I got a cousin, Mookie, is half as stupid, and he'll work for Vienna Sausages. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And yeah, listen, so. I'd work for Sausages, too, uh, because <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, sausage and potatoes. is a meal that I will take uh, any time of day, uh, I will say. Uh, I would also say I'd be remiss if I didn't point out I really liked how uh, Aaron is very smitten with Kevin, despite the fact that he's obviously not very smart. But uh, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> I, I had fun with that because it's the reversal of the of the of the of the of the, uh, the trope. Uh, you know, the, the, exactly. Good observation uh, of the sex. I mean, it's fine. I didn't get like I wasn't a fan. Oh my god, he was a fan. Uh, some some of the you know, some of the, the crazy fandom. Oh no, that was offensive. No, it's not. Come on, that happens to women all the time, or happened all the time in movies where they were just the object of a, of a you know, of a desire. I mean, see any Michael Bay movie, uh, for an example. Um, you know, so it's not like I, I never got my uh, uh, myself in knots. I thought it was funny, and I thought you know, good for them to turn that around. And 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 have fun with it. Um, so, but just going back to Patty for a second, is this going to ruffle too many feathers to say she had more purpose and her introduction to the team made more sense than Winston? Oh, you know, I think you could make that argument. I mean, you know, she she was the one who saw the ghost that you know they they. After the the one at the mansion, the the one down in the subway that that kind of you know brings them together with the you know the technology when they go down there and test the uh, the containment the proton containment laser, mm-hmm. and yeah. so yeah she definitely had a purpose she reached out to them she went down with them and uh, also by the way I got I got to point out I like the fact that uh, they kind of surprise you with the Ghostbusters logo with the guy who's spray painting, I, and I, yeah that's I thought a that was really funny. Point. That, it's a, you know what? Now that you bring that up, I, 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 really, I love the way they came to the logo, like how they 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 decided, you know, how it came to be. How there was an explanation to it too, like it, yeah, it was just, they they oh, didn't no. they didn't miss beats in this movie. 
Oh. So a lot of times when I hear people say I didn't like it, I'm like, exactly what did you not like? Now, there's a few things I can understand. But, you know, again, I, I think I differ in most areas. Yeah, like, like I, I love that they kind of gave an explanation for the logo. And they went out of their way to explain the technology they were using and how it works. Yes, and, and and again, they they differed it from the first movie too. You just it wasn't just a redux of what we saw before. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think it was explained in a very in a way that that and I know none of this stuff is actually you know real, but the jargon can sometimes get confusing, even if it's made up jargon, and they did it in a way that was digestible for, you know, average Joe public. And I like yeah, that. Very right? much so, yes. Uh, so basically, they pulled, a, they pulled a Chris Nolan with this kind of thing, kind of movie, in a way, in, in their level of explanation for certain things. And I like that. Now, I don't think, I think Chris Nolan would have gone way too real with it. With a Ghostbusters, like if he made a Ghostbusters movie, it'd be like it'd be actual Ghost Hunters. Like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a fantasy kind of movie. But so I, I, I really like that that level of explanation for stuff like the logo, um, the the technology they're using, and you actually see scenes of them testing it out, right? Yes. Hell, even the car gets an explanation. Yeah, the car gets an explanation. It's a hearse that is owned by Patty's uncle, which, again, you know, turns out to be Ernie Hudson. And uh, later on in the movie, of course. But, yeah, she brings in this hearse, and they repurpose that, and that becomes Ecto-1. Now, was Paul... I could ask a off-topic conversation. Sure. Was Paul Bear alive still when this movie was made? Because if he was, could you think of a better cameo? Uh, that would be funny. I don't. I think he died before. I don't remember exactly when, but no, I don't think he was alive. That's a shame, because that, <laughs> that would have been a perfect, perfect cameo. But um, so the other thing that I think bears discussing. Well, he died in 2013, so I, I don't remember so, exactly yeah. when they started shooting this, but yeah, yeah he, uh, no, he, was, he was also not in good health toward the end, I think. So. No, no, but it would have been a, it would have been a fun it would have been a fun fun little cameo, I think. Just as a wrestling fan, I would I would have appreciated. Um, well, we but, like we like to make you know mention and cross reference a lot of different subjects here on the multiverse yeah, music yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. When we say the word multiverse, we we really take it literally um, here on this on this show. On this network, um, <clears throat> even like like so, the main villain. Even when they get into the main villain's plot, and how he's sort of reverse engineered Aaron and Abby's tech and built a device of his own that is going to, you know, uh, essentially break the barrier between. The earthly plane, and you know the other worldly plane where the ghosts and and all such spooky things exist. Right. And I like that. Like, like again, the simplest of explanations, 
but I think it goes a long way. I don't know what your thoughts on that. What did you think of his plan? Oh, you know, I again, it was it was simple, but at the same time, like you said, it was connected well, and you could see. You know, Rowan North was his name, and, you know, he was trying to bring about the apocalypse. He obviously had a lot of disdain for this world. You know, he was treated badly, but at the same time, he was also, you know, kind of easy to dislike because he had turned on the entire world, and he just couldn't wait to bring about its end. And well, so, yeah. yeah. And the guy, I got I to gotta be honest, the actor does a great job of playing the creepy... The cre- like, if I had to give this guy a character description, he'd be the creepy online stalker. Like, that would be the, <laughs> like, he, you know, yeah. when I describe, you know, when I get into, like, heated uh, debates. Yeah, Neil with, Casey with, is with, the actor's with, name. Yeah. 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 You know, when I get into heated debates with the the, 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 the sect of, uh, of fandom I like to call, uh, you know, Snyderholics or, or, or basement dwellers, he's the... This character is like the physical manifestation of that, <laughs> and the actor does a the, 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 and the actor does a great job of, of playing that creepy, uh, annoying, disturbing individual. And so kudos to him for doing such a good job. Um, but, but yeah, his plan. Like I'm like, again, I understand this is fiction, science fiction, fantasy, but. I bought into his plan. Like, I, I understood it, and I wasn't like, well, that makes no sense. I'm like, yeah, he reverse-engineered the, the tech, and if if their tech can trap ghosts, then reverse-engineering it by, log- by general logic would suggest that you could let them out. Yeah. And, and by the way, I really like that, that scene where, you know, at the concert... Where you know they uh, they get chased by the, the you know the the mannequin, mm. and uh, <laughs> I like <laughs> I like when Patty looked in the room and she goes, "Nope, room full of nightmares in here." Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Likewise, and uh, and and the CGI on the the first ghost that uh, we see there, uh, well, the only ghost that we see there in the, at the concert, that was amazing too. I mean, you know, what I like yeah, about yeah, that, that mythical dragon like creature. Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. That was, uh, yeah, you know, that's one of the things I liked about the original Ghostbusters was that each of the ghosts had kind of a unique look. It wasn't just, you know, spectral figures with chains and things like that. It was a lot of fun type of things. And, but, and yeah, that, that really was yeah. eye-popping. But I also liked the, because uh, we didn't really mention it, we kind of glossed over it, when, when Patty comes into the fold. And they find that that ghost in the subway, the electrical uh, themed kind of ghost. Oh yeah! Now, now that again, that that was another one that was very well done. Yeah, and it was, and it, it, you know, because and the explanation is, back in the day, that that used to be a site where they used to do executions, mm-hmm. presumably with the electric chair, I would assume, uh, or I think it was even mentioned in the film. Ergo, that goes, you know, I wouldn't say affection, but affiliation with the electrical theme. You know what I mean? Right. So, and you also, I, I need to point out, you know, uh, Patty, she also seems to have a lot of, like, cryptic knowledge. So even though she's not a scientist, she has kind of a, yeah, a knowledge that kind of... Some, yeah, like yeah it, it lends her, yeah. it lends the character well to the group. Which is why I'm saying, and I know it's controversial, I think 
she makes sense to be in the, like she has a purpose. Where whereas Winston was like, well, I'm here, like pay me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Right, which was funny, but I think you could make the argument that but yeah, for she him, had it was like, sure, me, sure. It's like show me the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He was like Ben Affleck during the Justice League reshoots. He's like, I'm just here to get paid. <laughs> I'm not interested in actually performing. I just give him the thing. I'll read the lines and we can go home. Um, so he would. <laughs> that was that. Oh boy, I'm gonna get some some nasty uh, tweets for that one. Um, but um, Stephen might take away your tea for that now. I know he will. He barely makes any tea. What are you talking about? You, <laughs> you can't take away something you don't make. He makes it for himself every week, but not for me. Uh, but um, but. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to call back on that ghost because that ghost looked really good too. Um, but you're right, that concert scene, and you know that you mentioned the mannequin. That reminded me like something out of Doctor Who. That mannequin, you know, chasing. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, it, it really reminded me of something out of Doctor Who. It, it, it was creepy, though. I've got to say that. I mean, you know, oh, this yeah. this. I'll say it felt like there were more jokes in this one, but at the same time, there were some truly creepy moments, and I appreciate that. Yeah, there were that. more jump scares, too. I think there was yeah, they, there was more jokes, for sure, but also more jump scares, I think. Uh, so I think you're playing along with that. Um, another sort of parallel they do with the original is the, is sort of the, the, the interaction with the mayor. Um, although it's a little different in the sense that in the original, the mayor legitimately thought that they, at the beginning, that they were, you know, shysters and, 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 and cons and all that and, and didn't really believe it at first. Whereas here, the mayor is like, no, no, we understand. We don't, we, we believe you. But we can't have you doing what you're doing. We have to denounce. We have to publicly denounce you, because we don't want to alert the people to the existence of any of this paranormal crazy stuff. Yeah. So thank you for what you are doing, but we're going to throw monkey wrenches in the mechanism. <laughs> yeah, because it was like it's like a total. So you know what I mean? It's 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 homaging, but it's also coming at it from a different different perspective. You see what I mean? And I think the film did a good job. Throughout the film, doing that. For my money, anyway. Yeah, likewise. And well, like and, the, the go ahead, Andy sir. Garcia as well. Yes. Well, speaking of doubt, you know, we see a famous debunker whose name is Martin Hess, mm. or was it Heiss? I can't remember. I think it was I Hess. Think it was Heiss. Heiss. Okay, but that was Bill Murray, yeah. and he challenges the Ghostbusters first on TV, and then he shows up. They, you know, set up their base, and of course, that is above a Chinese restaurant, which is hilarious, by the way. Yeah. And I got hungry for Chinese watching this. this. <laughs> yeah, that you know that's a good point. Uh, but you know he he challenges the Ghostbusters, and while their attention is diverted, he lets out the ghost that was in the uh, the concert hall. And uh, and <laughs> one of the most hilarious moments I thought was when he is kind of knocked through the window and killed. Kevin says that man went out the wrong door. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. yeah, and you know what? So two things with that. I like the cameo by Bill Murray because it puts him in a role that you wouldn't expect. You wouldn't have expect, right? Yeah, they they subverted subverted your expectations there. Which I like because if he comes in as a regular, you know, 
let's just for the sake of argument say street vendor number four you're going to look at him and you're going to see bill murray and you're going to think well if he's here why isn't he playing the bankman right right but if you subvert the expectation and make it a totally opposite character to, to what bankman was then you don't I, I, me as an audience member seeing him in that role it totally took away any 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 thought of well i want to see him as bankman like in that moment he was so different that i didn't care that it didn't bother me i didn't get it didn't pull me like seeing him didn't pull me out of the movie it kept me in it whereas had he come in as like i've been attacked by a ghost i'd be like well why aren't you playing bankman you know what i mean right no i see your point same with same with um bill murray as the cab driver Yeah, you know, I liked all of their uh, the the cameos that they have, and yeah. and to me that was the the way that this movie was legitimized for the older fans. You know, had this been something that the original cast thought shouldn't have gotten made, then they wouldn't have been there. But but they were, and it that was kind of like putting their yeah, stamp of approval on Bill Murray, it. Especially Bill Murray. Yes, like we know how you know much of a stickler he is, so. If he's coming back, there's there's a reason, um, and not it's not just money, <laughs> because I don't think I don't think even he cares. Like he's gonna, I think he's secure enough that he's like you can throw as much money as you want unless I see a reason to come. No, he he wouldn't have done it had he not thought there was validity to it. Same for Sigourney Weaver, you know, yeah. Annie Potts, Dan Aykroyd. I mean, yeah, Ernie Hudson too. So yeah, exactly. Um, so I liked all the cameos; they were they were good. And again, I think I, I think they did a good job with, especially with um, Ackroyd, because they made him look a little like rough around the edges. He, he put on a little bit of an accent to kind of dissuade, right? Uh, yeah, he wasn't there for long, but he definitely commanded the screen when he was there. Right, exactly. Um, so, and also that you mentioned Hemsworth. Wow, was this a departure from Thor? And who knew he was that funny? Oh, wow, yes. <laughs> uh, like, having the glasses without the glasses? Yeah. <laughs> I like, he, yeah, they kept getting dirty, so I just took the lenses out. <laughs> Which I'm like, you know what? That's pretty dumb, but it makes sense at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, and and as as my only qualm with with Hemsworth's performance is the after effect that it had on the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Thor, because then Marvel got the bright idea to hey, let's make <laughs> let's make Ragnarok a borderline comedy. Um, well, and but, just an aside here, this doesn't really have anything to do with Ghostbusters, but I noticed that he was a lot leaner here than I used than we're usually used to seeing him. And uh, you know, I read at one point where he talked about that playing Thor was actually pretty hard because he had to extra workouts and he had to eat so much, which is something that he doesn't like to do was to put in extra meals. And so he's kind of forcing himself to eat and forcing himself to eat late and eat enough protein and work out. And he said that there were times that that got really arduous. And so looking at him in this movie, yes, I mean, he was in great shape, 
but it doesn't look like he carries that bulk naturally. So he probably puts in a lot of work just to look like Thor. And, and if so. that was me, if that was me, though, I'd be like, wait a minute, you're complaining about eating more? <laughs> and whatever, they're, whatever they're, they're paying you to eat more? Uh, where do I sign this contract? <laughs> I, I do uh, remember. The I, I working exactly. out is where you're going to screw me over, but, but the eating part, I, yeah, I'm there. I, I just forget, I forget exactly where I read it, but I distinctly remember him mentioning eating a bunch of chicken breasts like late in the evening and and you know basically forcing I'll them wake down up his gullet. in the morning and eat a chicken breast not a problem. <laughs> Throw some yeah, barbecue so. sauce on that bad boy and away we yeah. go. Uh, but I, you know I, I will say like I said I, I think he's kind of a naturally lean guy so he yeah. puts in a lot of work to look like the god of thunder so I have respect for that. Oh absolutely and you know you know what uh, what got me the line that got me was was when the guy goes uh when the, when he's he's he goes down in the, in the basement of I think it was the hotel. Yeah, he calls him Clark, and he's like, "Yeah, who asked for this uh, this pretty boy uh, Clark? Uh, no, this uh, Clark. Nobody asked for this Clark Kent stripogram." Right. And he's like, "Oh, Clark Kent because of the glasses and because he's because I'm handsome." And then he punches <laughs> the guy in the face. When when they said to Clark Kent, I'm like, you know, if you dyed his hair dark. I could see it, damn it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. They should have said Donald Blake. That would have been really funny. But, you know how I, I wanted, you know, if Hemsworth wasn't Thor, I'd cast him as He-Man, but no, you know. That's, yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, missed opportunity for Sony, but they got him in yeah. Ghostbusters instead. Anyway, um, because don't make me go on a, on a sad uh, He-Man movie rant. Um, yeah, let's, let's not get too far off on a tangent. <laughs> but, um, I, just to stick on on Hemsworth for, since we're here, um, the the part where he goes full full possessed, uh, you know. Yeah, when he's possessed by Rowan because Rowan Rowan commits suicide, so yeah. he can be a ghost and command yeah. the spirit the spirit army. Like that whole, like you could tell Hemsworth was having a ball. <laughs> Definitely. In those yeah. and, and the thing was, he's like, oh, is this too much Peter Pan? And he's like, ah, oh, hell, I'll go with it. And, and he, he did really well as the, you know, the, and I mean this in a good way, the over-the-top villain. And, and let me say that too, you know, before he possesses Kevin, he possesses Abby, and there is a hilarious fight with with oh, yeah. uh, with yeah. her and, and <laughs> I like how Patty literally slapped the evil out of her and you yeah. know she said the power of Patty compels you. <laughs> there was there was there were a lot of just golden lines in this. Oh, it's hilarious. it was hilarious some of it, yeah, for sure. Um, and we we've got to talk about now, like so. I think you talked about earlier the effects and how they were a good mix of. Classic Ghostbusters and modern day technology. Yes, and I think that's really on display in the third act. Yeah, you know, and if you thought that this wasn't going to be an action-packed movie, I, I defy you to watch the third act of this and tell me that this wasn't a legitimate action movie because it there was so much action at the end. It was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked um, um, 
I really like the aspect where we're getting ghosts, like time displaced ghosts. So from different eras of time. That yes. was cool. I, I yeah. love that. Cause you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I love like, like history and, and time travel and all that jazz. So if you can, if you can somehow combine that and, you know, throw it with ghosts and ghostbusters, um, I think I saw Barry Allen run across the screen at one point. No, just well, I mean, that would have been the ultimate. Uh, can you imagine? Well, by the way, why haven't they done a, a, a Ghostbusters Justice League dark crossover? Uh, you know, the, we can we can dream, sir. We can dream. Sony, Warner Brothers, get on it. No. What do you got to lose? <laughs> it's a comic book after all. What can you lose? Um, but, so I love those scenes. Uh, I love how they worked the Stay Puffed uh, Marshmallow Man into it. Yes, with all the, the the balloons from the parade, which again that just that looks really beautiful. I mean, in in a very kind of macabre way, but yeah, I, again, I like the visuals. There was obviously a lot of money and work put into those. Absolutely, yeah. uh, and, and I loved. So we did get Slimer in this movie. We got to talk about Slimer. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'll say if if there's a criticism, he may have been underused a little bit. I, I, that's my criticism as well. He's very underused. Um, but man, seeing him and Lady Slimer, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the ghost just doing like a tour de force. Yep. I believe Abby says oh, he's ha he's having the time of his life. <laughs> yeah, in the car, and it's like a joy going for a joyride. And that looked it looked great. Like it looked and this is a movie where watching it in three D makes sense. Yeah, it and does. I did, I did watch it in three D and I loved it. Um, I also liked that when when um, our villain takes on his final form. I thought that was brilliant. He takes the form of the uh, of the ghost in the Ghostbusters. A, yeah, not oh, only did it echo the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but it was original in its own right. And mm -hmm. turning their own logo against them, I thought that was brilliant. I loved it, and it looked amazing. Like I'm like, that oh, is, totally, yes. That is generally creepy. Like when it was a car cartoon, I agree with Patty. Oh, that's cute. You know, it reminded me. Of the Ghostbusters cartoon, which we're gonna obviously go into in review episodes, but it reminded me it was a callback to that. And then when it became a live action thing, I'm like, that is generally scary. Like it's, yep. it looks it, creepy. Yeah, it looks creepy, especially when you know when they when they damaged it when they managed to hurt him. Then he looked extra creepy. So yeah, and then yeah. at the end of the third act, when I think it's very poetic that um, Aaron or Abby gets sucked in to the void, right? To the hole in the ground. It's almost like people on Twitter, they get sucked into the void of arguing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then who goes after her? Aaron, right? To save her. And, and that's what I want to say is that, that arc was was wrapped up very nicely. I mean, there there was some humanity in this. I mean, there you know the characters had some soul. And she goes in, yeah. and, and I believe the 
the the line was, you know, I won't leave you twice. Yeah, yeah, and so that's what I mean. It, like, their relationship came full circle, and you see the newbies, you know, um, Holtzman and and um, and Patty working together to to help them to pull them out of the void. So yeah. it all it all like it all came full circle, and I like that about the ending. But but I love that that emotional underpinning at the end there. That was great. Um, and then at the end, when everything is going back to normal, you have uh, Hemsworth eating a sandwich and, and you know, having a drink like it's nothing. Oh, yeah. While you guys were, you know, saving the world, that was, I went into the deli and just taught myself. It's like, <laughs> oh, all right. Um, and I got to say, since we started on that topic, I like how the film turned the online vile hatred that this movie got from a segment of the fandom and, and worked it into the film and turned it on its head and made it part of the humor. Yeah. They, yeah, like, they did. Yeah. There, there was like some, Paul Fe- I like that Paul Feige and company did that. Yeah, I liked, you know, when, when they kind of combined at the end to, you know, shoot the Ghostbusters logo, you know, it was, uh, you know, right in the mommy daddy button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that was definitely kind of a nod towards some of the more misogynist trolls online. So, Or, or when, or when, or when at the beginning, when uh, after they post the video, they're like, look at the online comments. Yes, I, I noticed was, oh, that. Women yeah. can't do this job. And then, yeah. No, not that one. The other one. In, in a much more crass way, they said that. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, so I, 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 I found that funny, and even Aaron, uh, after they get uh, pretend arrested by the government, but you know, Stooges uh, on the street and that online blogger or whatever is harassing them. And then Abby sticks up for her and says, why don't you go back to your parents' basement? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I will right after this interview. And I'm like, I wanted to fist bump Melissa McCarthy through the screen because I'm like, I thought about not only these fans, but all the Snyderholics that I've ever gotten into an argument with. <laughs> so I was kind of trying to fist bump her, but you, know, you, you can't fist bump through the screen. Um, well, so and, I, and I, I want to point out too here, my favorite sequence of the movie was it, during the fight, the big third act with the fight against Rowan's ghost, the, that army, uh, Holtzman, she holsters the particle thrower and she draws these proton pistols. Yes. Next one of them. And her action sequence for the next couple of minutes, it's amazing. Yeah, Don't tell yeah. me that women can't do an yeah, action movie. Yeah, it's got, so, it's got some Zack Snyder slow-mo while we're at it. While we're oh, man. Yeah. She she whipped some butt that th- it yeah. would have made the Avengers envious. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, like I said the uh, the the action and the fact that it was women doing it, I had zero problem with it. Like good choreographed action is good choreographed action, whether it's a man or a woman. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, overall, I mean, I realized, like, I knew I liked it when I saw it the first time, 
but rewatching it for the purpose of this podcast, I think I like it even more than I than I remembered I did. Oh yeah, you know I was able to go back and pick up details this time that I didn't the first few times that I watched it. Yeah, that's very true. That often happens with films, right. and you know I gotta say, the reason why. I really enjoy this movie is I remember going with, to see it and I brought my my two nephews, two, two of my nephews, I'm not because there's more than two, but I brought two of my nephews and they had a blast. They never once questioned, why is it girls? Like they never turned to me and said, why is it girls? In fact, up until that point, I don't think they had seen the original. So that never came into their mind. They just had fun. I mean, it cost me an arm and a leg because I had to buy them food and eat like horses. So. Let me echo that point. You know, I asked my, my youngest daughter, who, you know, she was a big fan of it when it came out. Both she and my niece, they really, really liked it. And so I, I do think this movie landed with a certain segment, and uh, it, was a, it was a success in that aspect because i do think it created a lot of new fans and despite the fact that again it faced some prejudice and and again there are some people out there who have some legitimate criticisms i'll acknowledge that but i still think this was a wonderful part of the mythos and it just you know it did a lot of things right and you saw at the end where you know patty you know she picks up this unusual recording and she says what's zool they obviously intended to make a sequel but we never got to see that. That never came to fruition. It's unfortunate because there was that little tease. Now, I, I, I mean, having said that, maybe if this if Ghostbusters Afterlife does well, like I said, maybe they can borrow from the comic book and do uh, you know a multiverse crossover with a couple of members from the original team and 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 whatever new members that come from that come in Afterlife with a couple of members from. Yeah, to the call crew, I would. I oh, I would love that. And and by the way, to underscore this point, the 2017 Kids Choice Awards, Ghostbusters, it won favorite movie, favorite movie actress, and favorite movie actor. So it got three awards from uh, from the Kids Choice Awards. So I, it definitely landed with children. Yeah, and it was going up against uh, quite a few superhero movies, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. I'm sure. Well, I, I know Batman BVS was probably in the nominations, and you know, was it? Uh, yeah. Um, whatever, whatever Marvel had had out at the time. A Captain America: Civil War. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so I mean, exactly. So, I, I hope that after after Afterlife, if they could ever do something like that, I think it'd be a nice way to really attempt uh, to bring both segments of fandom together i don't know if it'll succeed because some people are, are hard-headed and are going to be stupid regardless but i think it'd be a cool gesture and i who again who knows if any of those lady, ladies would want to come back after what they experienced but if you could get a couple of them back to do something in, in, in a sequel to afterlife that sort of crosses Crosses the multiverse stream and brings them together. I, I'd be game uh, for that. But I think we've um, um, 
we've covered the, the bulk of the the bulk of, of what we needed to with this film. So unless you, there's anything you want to add, we can uh, we can wrap this up with our uh, with our, our overall score. Yeah, go ahead, sir. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you, sir. What, what do you? Uh, what, what again, do? were we doing out of five for movies? Uh, no, I think, I think letter grade. Movies, movies is a letter grade. Yeah, letter grade. Yeah, that's I'm gonna what, give it. I'm gonna give it. Stevens yeah. decree from from Stevens decree. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, a muffin we'll better all, come. We'll with, give Alfred some sort of <laughs> right. a muffin better come with that decree. If I'm gonna get a decree, yeah. I've got to at least be well fed. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give it. Yeah, I'm gonna give this an A minus. You know, yeah. there there were a few minor things that could have could have been done better, but overall, this was incredibly enjoyable. And if you're watching with a kid, it's gonna make it even better. I'm going to go ahead and give it a B plus, um, which again, as I explained in our, our previous vidcast with Steve, with Steven, you know, we live in a world where today, you know, judging movies, it's either the best thing in the world or the worst thing I've ever seen, and there doesn't seem to be anything, any room for anything between that. Good point. But I don't, I, I don't live in that world. I, I live in the, the the world of reality and. I'm going to give it a B plus, and a B plus is a damn good. Like I don't know about you, Donnie, but there were certain times in school where if I got a B or above, man, I was happier than a than a, than, a, than a pig in his own. You know what? Uh, <laughs> a pig in slop. How about we'll yeah, say that? Yeah, thank you. That's the yeah, way to say, keep it yeah. kid friendly. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're you're the uh, the control board in terms of uh, what's kid friendly, what's not. So I, I defer to you for that. But yeah. So to me, B plus is a good score, is a fine score. Uh, I, you know, if I had any minor quibbles, would have liked to see more Slimer. Um, uh, maybe a couple jokes here and there trimmed because sometimes it did, they did have you know, a lot more jokes than the original two. I would, I would say, but again, that's that's quibbles, right? Uh, minor quibbles. So yeah, B plus for me. I enjoyed it. I think it's a worthy addition to the franchise. And uh, and yeah, I had a good time with my nephews, and and that's. And, and I that's, certainly enjoyed getting ready for this uh, podcast. A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, it was. I enjoyed it even more on rewatch. So uh, take that for what it is. But that pretty much brings this episode to a close, my friend. Um, but if people want to continue uh, to discuss Ghostbusters with you, where can they do that? You can media? find me on Twitter as the Emerald Enthusiast if you want to discuss Ghostbusters or comics, anything geeky related. And if you want to see my Green Lantern product reviews, hit me up there on Twitter. Awesome. If you want to talk to me on social media, it's at Adam underscore Leaves fan. Uh, we also have the, uh, the the Multiverse Music Podcast Network has its own Twitter handle. It's at MMNPDC on Twitter. So either one of those Twitter handles, you will find me there. Um, and we could discuss Ghostbusters or any of the geeky stuff that I podcast about uh, on either of those uh, Twitter accounts. If Facebook is more your thing, um, then you can go to the Multiverse Music Podcast 
their Facebook page, ask for permission to join, I will add you and we can continue the conversation there. Uh, but that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I want to uh, urge you guys to uh, keep busting while you wait for the next uh, for the next episode. And uh, remember that Ghostbusters answer the call is forever. Defi uh, defying the first troll comment online to the last. So long, everybody. <laughs> so long, everyone. Ghostbusters!